back with you all, as always. And uh, today we're going to look at Second uh, Peter. The last two times I was here, we looked at the first 15 verses of Second uh, Peter, <clears throat> and we noted how uh, Peter, being the Apostle Peter, being very close to the end of his life, his earthly life, being ready to put off his earthly tent, is very uh, earnest to remind us of certain things. And we, we looked at that how multiple times. He says, I'm, you know, I'm making every effort to, to, re- to remind you to, so that you remember these things before my departure. And um, there was an, there's an urgency to his letter. And we looked at particular uh, in the, the first chapter, the things that he so urgently and earnestly wanted us to remember, one that God's divine power has given to us all things, uh, for life and godliness, and um, also that in light of, of these things, that we um, ought to be diligent to confirm our election calling and to add to our faith a virtue and self-control and uh, perseverance and knowledge and um, uh, brotherly kindness and love. And, and also to remember that... Uh, supply us with rich entrance into his kingdom. And uh, what an encouragement that is, and also a call to, to live out that, uh, that calling with, um, with the grace that he's, he's given us. So as we were looking at some of those things, um, I wanted to, to move on to the next section of, of chapter one. And he, considering that he's so eager for us to not forget these things, we're going to look at today at kind of the crux of the matter is why he's so eager for us to not forget these things. So uh, I just want to back up here um, to verse 12 in chapter 1 of Second Peter. And he says, For this reason I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things, though you know and are established in the present truth. Yes, I think it is right, as long as I am in this tent, to stir you up by reminding you knowing that shortly I must put off my tent, just as our Lord Jesus Christ showed me. Moreover, I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things after my decease. So again, there's an urgency to this letter. There's an importance of him reminding us of these things. And as we look at the next verse, in 16, it says, For we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. So for, that, that word, you can replace that with because. So I'm, I'm eager to, for you to remember these things because we didn't follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus. So what is this power and coming that he's specifically speaking about? If this is... This seems to be what he's, he's pointing at when he's saying, I'm reminding you of these things because of his power and his coming. These things are real. These aren't just fables that we, we've made up or we fables that we heard from someone else and we're following. But these things are real. And we want you to know that they are real. And that's why it's so important for you to remember these things that I'm telling you. So what, what are his, this, this power and coming that he's speaking of? Well, he, he mentions that he's an eyewitness. He says, for this reason, 
uh, rather, uh, verse 17 or 16. Uh, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty, for he received from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice came to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And we heard this voice which came from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. So he's recalling something that he himself witnessed. And we heard that earlier in Matthew uh, chapter 17, 16 and 17, that Peter himself saw something. He saw something. He mentions that he himself was an eyewitness of this. And what he saw, he saw Jesus transfigured into something so glorious. He saw Jesus' face shining like the sun, he says, and his clothes becoming as white as light itself. And then he heard this voice that he quotes again in his letter. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. And he, and he specifically says, this was, this was the voice of the majesty on high, God the Father speaking. So in saying this, Peter's saying, we saw something. When I speak to you about his power and his coming, we saw something that confirms this to us. Now, it's interesting when we think, okay, well, let's, let's back up. What is his coming? What is that referring to? And what is his power referring to? Is it referring to what Peter saw there? Or is what Peter is referring to, is that pointing to something else? Well, it's interesting. In all three gospel accounts of the transfiguration, in each uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, or sorry, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all three record that event. And in each of those gospels, that, that uh, transfiguration event immediately follows something that Jesus says to his disciples. And in Matthew, he says, uh, he says, truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death till they see the kingdom of God coming, uh, see the son of man coming in his kingdom. And in, in Mark, it says um, that uh, there's some standing here who will not taste death till they see the kingdom of God coming with power. And then it says, just, just a, uh, a week later, he takes them up to, to this mountain and they see him transfigured in his glory. And so uh, the, the gospel writers are connecting that, that what Jesus just told them about his kingdom coming in power and him coming in the glory of his kingdom, they see a glimpse of that. They get a little sneak peek of what Jesus is talking about when they see him transformed. And what, what Peter, James, and John saw on that mountain was a glimpse of the glorified Jesus that, that John sees a revelation of. In Revelation chapter 1, verse 9, we, we read, I, John, both your brother and companion in the tribulation and kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ was on the island that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. What you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamos, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with the garment down to his feet, girded about 
the chest with a golden band. His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes like a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace, and his voice like the sound of many waters. He had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. Again, just as Peter had described what he saw in the Mount of Transfiguration. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Do not be afraid, for I am the first and the last. Who is the first and the last but God himself? And I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and of death. That vision that, G, that, that John had of Jesus with the sword coming out of his mouth is, is symbolic of, of, of the power of Jesus' word. Think about in, in the Gospel of John that, where, where John recounted in the Garden of Gethsemane that night. Remember when the soldiers came to arrest him? And they said, we're looking for Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus said, I am he. And it says that they drew back and fell to the ground. Just a little, again, just giving a little glimpse of his, of his power as the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. <clears throat> so, when Peter says we were eyewitnesses, he's saying we have confirmation that this is true, that this power of Jesus and the coming of his kingdom, we saw it. We saw it. We, so we know that the prophetic word regarding this, is true. We have confirmation it's true, as it says in verse 19 in 2 Peter 1. He says, And so we have the prophetic word confirmed. Well, what is this prophetic word? I think he's referring to, to what he just said in, in 16, when he said, um, When we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The prophetic word of, God, of the Lord's coming, of his power and his coming. So what exactly is um, his power and his coming that, that's referred to here? And I want to take a, a little bit closer look at that. Well, the coming, that we just saw a little bit of, of the power mentioned, the power of Christ um, that he has, uh, power to speak a word. And a whole crowd of soldiers get knocked to the ground, right? Standing, speaking a word that the sword coming out of his mouth, he has the word, the power to, to, to kill just with his word, with the breath of his mouth to kill his enemies, right? And the power, he has the power and the key to death in Hades. That power is in his hands. So that's the power. What's the coming? Is it coming uh, that he speaks of? Uh, when I first read this, I wondered, does, is he referring to the, the first coming of Jesus? You know, we think of John chapter 1 where he says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, right? The light that was coming into the world. Is, is that the, the coming that he's referring to? Or is he referring to a time yet to come? What is often referred to as his second coming. Well, given what we read in Matthew 16, 28, I believe it's, it's a little bit of both. Jesus uh, gave Peter and uh, James and John a glimpse 
of what was to come. They saw his power and his glory in the Mount of Transfiguration. But then after he rose from the dead, what did he say? He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And that's why I send you out to go and, and make disciples of all nations. Uh, in Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 1, we're, we're told that in Paul's uh, prayer that, that we um, know the power of his resurrection, his resurrection power, right? That, that you may know the, the hope to which you have been called, what are the glorious riches of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe. The power, the, the same power, like the power, uh, the mighty working of God in him when he raised him from the dead and he seated him in the heavenly places at his right hand, far above all rule and authority, dominion and power, giving him the name that is above every name. Uh, Jesus himself, uh, in, in, in that Matthew passage, uh, he, he uh, talks about the, the coming kingdom. And Peter, uh, G- Jesus throughout the Gospels is preaching uh, the Gospel, which is repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is at hand, right? So there's a, a real sense in which this, the coming of Jesus is, and his kingdom, in some ways, is already here. And this is why there's a call to repentance. Repent um, so that you might find entrance into the kingdom of God because the kingdom of God has come. But there's that already not yet, as the theologians call it, right? The, uh, the, the coming, the second coming of the Lord, the, the, the coming of the kingdom in its, in its fullness, and I believe is also in view here uh, in this letter of, of Peter. Um, listen to Peter's own message to Cornelius in Acts, in Acts chapter 10. This is the same Peter that wrote this letter. The Lord brought him to Cornelius, this God-fearing Greek, with the gospel message to, to give him, to lay very clearly, plainly before him what this gospel message is. This is from Acts chapter 10, verses 34 to 43. It says, then Peter opened his mouth and said, in truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. That word, you know, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism, which John preached. Again, that's what Jesus was preaching. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand, right? And he continues, uh, And how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all these things which he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they killed by hanging on a tree. Him... God raised up on the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but to witnesses chosen before by God, even to us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people, this is the message, to testify that it is he who is ordained by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him all the prophets witness that, 
Through his name, whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. So in, in that message to Cornelius, this gospel presentation, Peter speaks both of the power and the, the, the coming of Christ, that he has come, and yet he also points towards the future coming, the return of Christ, because, because Christ has been ordained by God the Father to be judge of the living and the dead. And that's the, the, the not yet. Um, now this, 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 this message of the coming of Christ and the return of Christ is spoken of throughout the scriptures. The Old Testament prophets constantly speak about the day of the Lord, the day of the Lord, and that speaking of that day. Malachi, uh, Malachi speaks of that. We, we heard from that earlier uh, in the service. Malachi speaking of that, that day when the Lord will come, will return. Uh, Joel speaks of it. Uh, Habakkuk, that all the, the prophets speak of this, this, this return of the Christ who will come once and for all to judge all the world, to judge the world in, in righteousness and in equity. In 2 Timothy uh, 4.1, we see, a, uh, again, um, Paul, the Apostle Paul, speaking of the same when he says, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. So again, this looking forward to the time to come. <clears throat> so I think that, that the, the Apostle Peter here in this letter wants us to focus on this this coming, this, this return of Christ that we are to expect. And he, he says in, in verse 19, so we have the prophetic word confirmed, all that the prophets speak of. We got a glimpse of it on the mountain. We saw it. We saw it after he rose from the dead and ascended into heaven. He says, we have that prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. So if the Lord is coming back to judge the living and the dead, the dead and to, to judge the, the world with righteousness, what does that mean for us as believers? Well, Peter's telling us to, to heed this word, this prophetic word. And he's saying, he says, I lost my place here. He says, you do well to heed it as to a light that shines in a dark place. What happens when you're in a dark place and you can't see anything, but you do see a light? You follow the light. It's like in Pilgrim's Progress, if you've read that, that wonderful book, where Evangelist tells Christian, he's got this burden on his back, and he says, do you see, do you see that, uh, the, the, uh, the little wicked gate? And Christian says, I'm not sure. And he says, do you see the light up there? And Christian says, oh, I do see that. And Evangelist tells him, just keep your eyes on that and keep walking towards it. Right? It's the same idea. There's a light that's shining, as John said in his gospel. The light shines in the darkness. The darkness has not overcome it. The true light, which gives light, life to all men, was coming into the world. 
So Peter tells us to focus our eyes on the light as we heed the prophetic word that Christ is coming back. And what does that mean? What does it mean? What's the significance of Christ's return? Well, we read in Malachi, and I just want to briefly return to that in chapter 4, the first two verses. It says, For behold, the day is coming. This is the prophetic word. For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven. And all the proud, yes, all who do wickedly, will be stubble. And the day which is coming shall burn them up, says the Lord of hosts. That will leave them neither root nor branch. And I believe this is speaking of the second coming of Christ because he says it will leave the wicked neither root nor branch. What happens when you don't have a root? It dies, right? If, if, you, if you're a gardener, if you've ever, ever worked with uh, like a, like a um, grapevine, you can actually sometimes take a branch and even if you destroy the root, if you have a branch left over, you can plant that in the ground and it takes root. But if you don't have a branch or a root, you have nothing. It's gone forever. And that's what he's saying. The wicked will be destroyed forever. So I, that's why I believe this is speaking of the, 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 uh, the second and final coming of the Lord, the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, But to you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings, and you shall go out and grow fat like stall-fed calves. So his, the return of the Lord Jesus Christ on that day will do two things. One, it will be bring final and utter destruction to the wicked. And it will, be, it will bring final and complete healing to all of his people. So for, for those of us who know the Lord, and, and as Peter's writing, he's writing to us. He's writing to the church. He says in the beginning of the letter, he said, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us, by the righteousness of God, of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, right? He's speaking to people who have obtained faith. And we, we saw last time how that word obtained in the Greek really has the idea of appointed. Um, those who have been appointed like, to like precious faith. So for, for us who know the Lord, that day means the completion of our salvation. Do you remember what, what Peter says in his first letter? Remember how he, he says um, that we've been born again, right? We've been begotten to a, to, to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is incorruptible and undefiled, kept in heaven, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith. For what? For salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. So again, it's this future salvation. We have been saved, right? But there is a completeness of that salvation coming when the Lord returns. Later on, he, he also mentions about um, the, so that the faith, our faith which is tested and refined by our trials may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Again, that final revealing, that once and for all revealing. Jesus says, Right, and um, the Son of Man will come with the angels, and every eye will behold him. Every eye will behold him in his return when the entire world sees him. For us, that means salvation. The sun rising with healing in his wings. You've ever been inside 
or, or maybe even when it's really cloudy for, for multiple weeks, uh, it just it kind of zaps, kind of takes all your energy out, right? We need the sun. Trees don't grow without the sun. Plants don't grow. We won't have food without the sun. We need the sun. And um, if you, you've talked to some doctors, particularly holistic doctors, that look to try and uh, help our bodies to do what God's designed them to do, you know, and, and, being, and getting well and, and being healed, they'll tell you it's good to be out in the sun. Uh, I remember uh, somebody had sent me a, a, a video of this doctor talking about COVID and ways to, to treat it and prevent it, uh, talking about the, the essential um, component of vitamin D and just how essential that is to our bodies working well, right? To being healed. Get out in the sun, get some sunshine because that produces the vitamin D, which enables our body to fight off these viruses and to heal itself. So for us who believe in Jesus, and who have been forgiven by him, when he comes again, that return will mean the completion of our salvation. But just like the sun has the power to heal, it also has the power to burn, to destroy. And that's the warning in Micah. He says, for behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven. Right? Think about the heat of the sun. How many millions of degrees it is. And all the proud, yes, all who do wickedly will be stubble. And um, that, that wickedness and the pride in wickedness, that just giving them, the people that just give themselves over to sin and do it brazenly, right? Reveling in the daytime, <clears throat> calling evil good and good evil. But he says, um, that day which is coming shall burn them up, leaving them neither root nor branch. So it's a very sobering, sobering uh, prophetic word that Peter wants us to, to heed, that the Lord is coming back. So what do we do? What does it mean for us practically? What, what is the encouragement to us? Well, for one, as we remember and we hear this, this word that Peter is trying to, so eagerly trying to, um, to uh, remind us of and to tell us, this is, this is real. This power and coming of the Lord is real. We were eyewitnesses to it. And the prophets have all spoken of it. And he says, the prophets, no prophecy came about by man's own will, but men spoke as they were moved by God. So these prophecies are from God, and God never lies. So that being the case, you will do well to heed it. So as for as Christians, what do we do with this then? It's important for us to constantly remember this because this keeps us sober. This keeps us sober when we remember that the Lord is coming back. And I think it's helpful for us every morning that we get up to remind ourselves, the Lord is coming. The Lord is coming. When we lay down in, at night, as we go to bed, the Lord is coming. As we watch the news and hear about all kinds of things, to remember, the Lord is coming. and He is judge. As we gather together 
to remind each other, the Lord is coming, right? The writer of Hebrews says, to stir one another to, to love and good works. And he says, and, and all the more, uh, and encourage one another while it's still called today. Don't forsake coming together. And all the more as you see what? As you see the day approaching, right? The writer of Hebrews, again, is pointing us to the day when the Lord will come, will return. So for, to remind ourselves daily, in the morning, in the evening, throughout the day, as we, as we um, witness things in this world, in our lives, to remember the Lord is coming. To encourage one another with these words. To let it be a part of our regular conversation. Well, you know, the Lord is coming. The Lord is coming. Also, in light of this, we have to remember to stir one another to love and good works. Right? To stir one another up. And to be sober about sin. Because when the Lord returns... The judgment that he brings on the wicked is because of sin. And it's the same sin that he saved us from. So lest we be tempted to fall back into those old ways, let us remember the Lord is coming. The Lord is coming. As we're preaching the gospel and evangelizing, right? As we're, as we're just like Peter did when he spoke with Cornelius, when he spoke... Uh, to, to those in Jerusalem, he said, the Lord is coming, right? Remember, they told Cornelius, God has made this man, Jesus of Nazareth, both Lord and Christ, right? And he says, because he is God, he's, he's the son, he's the son, and he's coming back to judge, but he's also come to provide forgiveness of sins to the world. So Repent. Repent, because he provides forgiveness and the Lord is coming back. So keeping that a part of our, our evangelism, to reminding our hearers that the Lord is coming. And finally, that should encourage us to be all the more eager to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Remember when we first uh, started looking at this letter, the first, uh, or the second verse rather, of, of, of uh, 2 Peter chapter 1? It says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. So he opens, off by, opens the letter by saying, May grace and peace be multiplied to you. Not just, it's not just that. You know, the Lord saved us by his grace. We've been justified. We've been elected and chosen before, before the foundation of the world. But his grace is continuing to work in our lives. So may his grace be multiplied in your life as you're growing day by day by the Holy Spirit in sanctification. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. And peace as well. Right? We don't have to fear the Lord's returning because we have peace knowing that we have, we have peace with God. Therefore, what, what do we have to fear? So he opens the letter by saying, grace and peace be multiplied to you. And then he closes the letter in verse 18 of chapter three. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Right? The verse prior, he says, don't be led away by the error of the wicked. Don't be tempted to be, to be drawn back into that, the old ways of the wicked. 
right? But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We can grow in the grace day by day through that power, that divine power that gives us all things we need that pertain to life and godliness. So as we um, consider his, his return, let us encourage one another with those words. Let us be encouraged. Let us be urgent with those who don't believe to, to repent and believe. And let us be eager to grow, to continue to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Savior Jesus through prayer, through fellowship, through, through uh, the preaching of the word, through reading of the word, to grow in that grace and knowledge as we um, eagerly wait for the return of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you that you have come as a light in the darkness. God, we thank you that you have opened our eyes to see the light and the glory of your gospel. We thank you, God, that you have sent your Son to be the propitiation for our sins so that we can have forgiveness of sins, that we can be washed whiter than snow. We thank you, God, that you have given us a prophetic word that you will return and that you will return to complete our salvation and to make all things new. Lord, we eagerly await that day. And until that day, work in us by your Holy Spirit that we would grow in your grace, that we would grow in the knowledge of you, knowing you more, that we would grow in love for one another love for you, and that we also would have that, that constant reminder that you are coming again, that we would have an urgency as we share the gospel with the lost, that we would we'd be encouraged as we remind one another that you are coming again. We thank you for this word you've made sure. We ask all, or we, we thank you for all these things in Jesus. Amen.